Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Around the horn where we have four competitors and four mute buttons and lots of buttons that go up and down. I got these filters here, a band word there, a little bit of fire for you. I can push the guys back and forward and do anything we want. But the point is... That's nothing compared to the pace home run derby sets. Let's go around the horde. Hard to keep up. That's all. I mean, give a good they picked up the best. speed of this thing. It is frenetic now, isn't it? For better or worse. I don't know. You can make a ruling on that. Home run derby lunacy. 41 home runs in round one for Julio Rodriguez in front of the home fans. Unbelievable laser show. Pete Alonso mashed some really tough pitches and lost by 20. But of course, Rodriguez, after 4,000 swings in three minutes, a little tired by round two. And he went out. Adley Rutschman, by the way, both sides of the plate, the switch hitter hit home runs from. A Rosa Reina, some missiles. But in the end, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., just like his old man, 16 years earlier, home run derby champion. Bill, I know you love this. You were watching, you were rooting, and predicting Mookie Betts. <laughs> Guerrero's the champ, but who won the derby? Poor Mookie said he, he just didn't, didn't know how, what to do. He didn't know how to swing for a home run. He was lost. And exhausted. Adley Rushman. <laughs> Adley, Adley Rushman stole the show in the, in the home run derby. In 38-year history of the derby, nobody's ever before swung from both sides mm. of the plate. 21 home runs left-handed, cool. seven home runs right-handed. He was awesome. His dad was pitching to him. It's a ballpark he, he went to as a kid because he grew up in Oregon. Yeah. It was a perfect storybook tale. He should have won. I wish he'd have won. I was cheering for him. Gordy Cronin, who won the derby? What Julio Rodriguez did last year at Dodger Stadium in the first round was record-breaking. And then to do it in front of his home fans in the first round, 41 home runs. Like, try to think about that number. 10 in under one minute, 20 in under two minutes. Pete Alonso at the end of it, even though he lost by 20, had to go up to him and say, Wow. And that's exactly what I'm saying. 61 in total. He only hit 20. And I use my air quotes there. Only hit 20 because he was so gassed in the second round. But the coolest part of this, he teamed up with Alaska Airlines and their promotion from this. They're giving out 61 free flights in honor of his 61 home mm-hmm. runs. I want to sign up for that. A lot of miles in his home runs. Airlines. I think if you were measuring, it was over three miles of home runs. David Dennis Jr., who won the Derby? Pardon me for going with the guy who uh, won the Derby, Vladimir Guerrero, 16 years after <laughs> his dad did. Uh, you know, incredible uh, moment there for, the, for them to share. And he beat the juggernaut, Mookie Betts, in the first round, who Bill guaranteed was going to win the home run derby <laughs> uh, a few days ago. So for him to come back and win, that one is amazing. But beyond that, the guy who I was most impressed with was replacement pitcher Aaron Myers, who was throwing Alfonso, uh, Alonzo heaters. He was throwing sliders. <laughs> yes. Like, is he, is he, was he trying to get on a Incredible he was spin giving some rate. nasty stuff. You don't want your home run derby pitcher to have an incredible spin rate, but incredible spin rate from Alonzo's pitcher. And it was real Gutierrez. 
Once again, to me, the Derby won the Derby. Fast baseball, baby. It is here to stay. And the Derby has been doing this for a while. Ever since they went to the rule where you don't have to wait for the ball to land, it felt initially like sensory overload. But now that's what everybody wants, sensory overload. You want five screens at a time. It used to be where Chris Berman could fit in a back, back, back every once in a while. And now you just got to, you know, maybe try to keep so up. So it works for And you. then when you have all that excitement, all the players are so many different storylines. You don't need one superhero to carry the Derby. You have so many here in Rodriguez. There have been eight rounds of 30 or more home runs. He has three of them, and he's 22 years old. So he's crazy impressive. But uh, as David said, the winner was the winner. I mean, the father-son combo of Vlad Jr., and Vlad Sr. having won it after Vlad Jr. not winning it the other uh, in 2019. It, it was a great home run derby. I know we're having fun with it and who won, even though we had a winner. But really, the pace of it, did you find it at all? Made it more difficult to watch, to enjoy, or to track the baseballs, Bill? No, it was tremendous. Okay. I love the pace. But am I really going to get zero points for Mookie Betts hitting 11 home runs? Come on. <laughs> he did his best. I love you, Bill. Bill I love that we best. who would win the home run derby and we're holding you accountable. Courtney, is it all right? Is the pace all right? It is, but I felt like Randy Arozarena in the final round got gypped a home run or two. I was watching like how it was getting tracked, and it felt like it was not syncing up correctly. Okay. Just want to put that. I, out. I will say this though: at one point, you know, there's so many balls in the air, and you've got young kids shagging flies that don't make it. But those Dangerous. those aren't flies; those are 150 mile per hour, 330 foot bombs. And somebody got hit in the head; they were okay. But there's a lot going on there. It's it's frenetic. Much like this show. We've been horned, we'll move on. A discussion now about the hazing story that is national news. Northwestern football firing head coach Pat Fitzgerald. That, that was not the first course of action, also part of the story. A school investigation that began in January led to two weeks summer suspension for Fitzgerald. As the university announced this past weekend, the investigator could not confirm Fitzgerald knew hazing was going on in the program. It was only after the school's newspaper, the Daily Northwestern, reported details of the alleged hazing and the response to that that the school acknowledged forced participation, nudity, and sexualized acts of a degrading nature were in clear violation of Northwestern's policies and values. Here, what a former player alleges to have been the program-wide method, older players wearing masks would restrain younger players in a dark locker room, engage in sexualized behavior with Fitzgerald signaling for players to be added to the list with a specific clapping motion during practice. That's the allegation. And in a statement, Fitzgerald maintained no knowledge whatsoever of any form of hazing within the program. He has hired lawyers. There's also this letter of support from the team for Fitzgerald, signed the entire team. There is a lot here, and these things often have an energy of their own, as you saw with the reporting over the last week, Courtney. What does Northwestern and college football have here today? An institutional, institutional failure of the nth degree on the university and on the football team itself. Tony, when Michael Schill initially suspended Pat Fitzgerald for two weeks, this was a Friday news dump. They hoped they could sweep this under the rug, that he would come back in time for the season to get started, and it wouldn't be a story. Michael Schill only did the right thing when he felt public pressure to do so, and that was after the story came out from the Daily Northwestern with all of the details about what was allegedly happening inside of the locker room. The issue I have here is that 
as we know from the independent investigation, Pat Fitzgerald allegedly had no direct knowledge of what was going on with his team in regards to hazing, but the report said that he had opportunity to find out. If you are the leader of a football team, the leader of young men trying to turn them into functional members of society, it is on you to figure out how to find out that information. I look, they had 24 staffers, assistant coaches, support staff members. That doesn't even include the GAs, the, the equipment people that could have told Pat Fitzgerald about this. He could have empowered them as a leader to let them know, it's okay, you can tell me what's going on in this locker room if I can't have my eyes on everything. He didn't do that. As President Truman said, the buck stops here and it stops with the person who's the head of the football program. David Dennis, Jr. I want to first acknowledge uh, in some bright light here and that these students uh, and, and the nation where we are shuttering sports departments across the country, these students are showing the importance of sports journalism and the future is bright. Now, with that said, I want to speak as somebody who got his master's from Northwestern, talk about the institutional malpractice that is going on here. And Courtney said the buck stops here. The buck stops beyond the coach. It stops at the president, who to this point has only written letters and will not stand up and answer questions about why he initially only gave two weeks of a, of a penalty when this should have been fireable from the beginning. This is about more than that football team because you have to uh, acknowledge the fact that the baseball coach is also under uh, scrutiny for the way that he is treating, uh, he treated his players. And also beyond that story, there are stories of former football players who have dealt with racism from that coach and the way that they were treated in addition to a report of 2021 of a cheerleading coach who was taken out for that same exact race in which, racism which my, I might I mention is the same type of unwelcome feeling that I felt during that entire year that I was at Northwestern. So if the, this needs to be addressed beyond the football and firing that coach. And that is at the president to handle the institutional um, just malpractice and the problem that they are having, that they are treating all of these students, so many of these students at that institution. Israel Gutierrez. Yeah, when Michael Schill said that the investigation found that the, the hazing was widespread and clearly not a secret, I mean, that's enough to show you that if something is widespread within your program, the head coach should absolutely understand what is happening or know what is happening. It doesn't matter if it was something even less serious than this hazing allegation. You're talking about Fitzgerald, who's been with the program as a head coach, as an assistant coach, as a player for 20-plus years. He should know this this, uh, this program like the back of his hand. And I really don't take much, give much credit to the players supporting uh, Fitzgerald here because allegedly some of those players were participating in these acts. Allegedly, they're protecting a coach who might have known more than he's letting on here. So I don't really take much into what the, the team has to support him. And I think Pat Fitzgerald, rather than taking legal matters and trying to fight for himself, should be embarrassed that he allowed this to happen. He is old enough to understand this has happened multiple times where teams or coaches get programs taken away from them because of a lack of institutional control. And none of them or a lot of them have not even been as ugly as this. I, I want to broaden it just a little bit as we turn to you, Bill Plaschke, because I know you've covered in, in your own market stories of hazing before. And we're talking about one particular incident here, but we're talking about a culture in team sports, both in college and even in high school. Please, Bill. This is huge. This is bigger than Northwestern. This is a school president of a supposed academic powerhouse bowing to the head coach. He knew Michael Schill, the president, knew that 11 current or former players corroborated the evidence of hazing, and he still let Fitzgerald off the hook for just two weeks' suspension in the summer before he got caught. He trivialized hazing, and you know what? 
administrators all over this country trivialize hazing. It's happening everywhere. And think about it. If a, if a place like, again, a, a supposed academic powerhouse like Northwestern, if it can happen there, where else is it happening? Where administrators are thinking, well, this is just boys will be boys or athletes will be athletes or kids will be kids. Shame on all of them. And I think every, every athletic leader in this country needs to look at his program or her program right now and see where, if there's hazing, what, it, what, what, what extent it is. How, how important it is. It's, it, this is a huge issue that, again, if it happened at Northwestern, it could happen well, anywhere. Well, precisely true, and that's why it's so insidious. This isn't the only hazing story. This summer, we went to Harvard hockey just this past week, the women, the month, this women's hockey team. And that's what, it's not just as easy as firing a coach while there's legal surely about to happen. It's about ridding a culture. Courtney, I'll give you the last word. Northwestern is a place that is postured. It is above the meathead ideology that is so often found in football locker rooms. As Bill brought up, there are stringent academic requirements for admission within athletics, too. was supposed to hold them to a higher degree. And it's very clear that they've failed in maintaining I think of it like standards. this. You can't separate the college part of college sports, right? Just put this happening in a maths class or in a psychology class. It's an absolute no. So that's why it also should be an absolute no in all college high school sports. We must acknowledge the Daily Northwestern story reported by Nicole Marcus, Alice Brown, Cole Reynolds, and Divya Bardwash of the Daily Northwestern. Congrats to them. Around the Horn is presented by Corona. Please drink responsibly. Part of Happy Hour. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Welcome back to Around the Horn, coming to you from the seaport. Brought to you by Chase. Victor Weminyama's summer break. Spurs say he'll take time off from gameplay and public sessions as he's been playing and doing the things required as far as availability non-stop since the start of his French season. His two summer league games came with a microscope on a laser inside a magnifying glass and a particle accelerator. Those are some of his stats. Bill, were two games enough for you, and what was your takeaway from those? My first takeaway was that he played two games in three days. We will see that again the rest of the season. Pop's going to keep him under lock and key for most of the season. He'll be a little managed, but I, th- I thought he was great. I th- he he finished the way I thought he would finish, 27 and 14. He had first game jitters, second game he was great. Played great defense. He had a dunk over a guy like a four foot 
four foot away from the basket, he dunked the ball. I mean, this guy's like a freak of nature. All right, so your takeaway is both that he's got a load management season ahead of him. Before he's even played a game, he needs some load management, okay? And that he lived it up to your expectation. Cronin, how about you? Two games is more than enough. We already saw Scoot Henderson get injured in his first game. Amen Thompson's going to be out three to four weeks with an ankle injury. Victor Wembanyama said that when he decided he wasn't going to play for, fan for France in the FIBA World Cup, that he wants to dedicate this summer to focusing on preparing his body for the many events that he has coming up over the next couple of years. Well, getting ready for the regular season instead of playing in games that for him are effectively meaningless. He's not trying to make the roster. He's already going to sure. be on on the team. It's time to shut it down and make sure that he can actually get his body And ready your overall review of those two games, the, the two of nine from three in the first game, the 27 points in the second game? I appreciated the bounce back in game okay. two. David Dennis Jr.? This is everything you can hope for from Wimby. The first game, yes, there were jitters, and part of which is him missing a bunch of sh uh, shots that he usually makes, but even then he had five blocks, so even in his worst game, he's Rudy Gobert defensively, and he came back on the second game and was unstoppable. They couldn't okay. do anything about him. Okay. That putback dunk uh, that, he, that he had in the game, was, is <laughs> nobody else in the league can do that. This is the Wimby experience. <laughs> and I'm But you said he yeah. missed a lot of shots in the first game he usually makes. This was the first game. We don't know what he usually makes. By the stats, he shot 27% from three in France. Go ahead, Gutierrez. <laughs> We've seen enough to know what he has to work on, right? That first game, I think, was more of a result of a guy who really wasn't ready to get back on the court. And he, he talked about this. So much of his days leading up to this have not been about basketball. And I think that's what he wants to get back to, sort of his safety room, his, his basketball court, really work on things, really work on the Spurs system. And I think that second game was enough to make okay. him feel good about his summer league experience. And now he moves on. So the hype still with all of you people. You're, you're not ticking it down to dial after those two games. He's still a prospect. We'll He's still got By a lot to work too. on. Chris the Paul, potential when asked there. about coming off the bench, here we go. You coaching? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I don't know what is what the situation is going to be yet. Me and Steve have talked or whatnot, but I, you know, that ain't something that you'd be like, what up, man? Where you starting? You coming off? You know what I mean? So I think we'll figure all that stuff out in camp. All right, so buy or sell Paul being comfortable coming off the bench and buy or sell this being a problem for Golden State down the road, Israel. I'm selling this being the time where Paul has to answer that question. I'm, I'm in agreement with him. You've got a team with Steph Curry on it, with Steve Kerr as a head coach. He might potentially find a way to utilize Chris Paul in the starting lineup. He might consider benching Klay Thompson instead and using him with the second unit because the idea of using Chris Paul with the younger, faster second unit, how much more sense does that make than him finding a way to work with Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Wiggins, and the other starters? So it's not the time for him to answer that if Steve Kerr hasn't addressed it. Well, Flashkey, how'd you hear it? I thought Chris Paul was beyond all this. I was wrong. He's still antagonistic. He's still stirring it up. This is not going to work. If he thinks he needs to start, this is not going to work. I wow, put it right down. Save this, it's save, over. save this take. By the middle of the season, they will trade him. He will not no. work in Golden State with this attitude. <laughs> that's not a hot take. That's a that's real take. That's not a hot take, though. No, that's the the season, you're, you're calling it over. No. <laughs> Phil, I, I appreciate how much you think things can be over before they even start. But here we are in July. First media availability, basically, and you're saying it's over. Mid-season, they're going to trade him. Gordy Cronin, how do you see it? Didn't see that coming. Um, 
what does he think? <laughs> Stephen Curry's going to come off the bench and it's not him? I mean, right. I doubt he's going to be a primary starter, but he will end up starting some games. It's just a matter now of telling somebody a role that they haven't ever played before. He's clearly bristling True. at it because it's not something he wants to, to necessarily do, but they brought him there to command the second unit to help, obviously, how successful of a pick-and-roll player he's been. They need that from him, but it's not going to be with the starters predominantly. David Dennis Jr. Everything's fine. Chris Paul, who, by the way, I've never said a bad word about, knows that he is coming off the bench. That <laughs> the Warriors it. starting five, the Warriors starting five is the best starting five in the league. They are not breaking that up. What Chris Paul is there for is to raise the ceiling of Moody and Kaminga in that uh, second lineup and hopefully maybe even close some games. That's the Does important Chris part Paul of where he's be in that game. Does Chris Does Paul, Chris Paul know, know that? that? He That's knows the that. He absolutely knows it. Flashkey, it's he over. Know that. David Dennis Jr., you walked into a mute there. Cronin, Gutierrez. That's our showdown. Next. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Around the Horn is presented by Corona. Please drink responsibly. Part of happiness. I have a list of 25 greatest All-Star moments. I love the All-Star game. Don't have a chance to show you all now. This one's before my birth, of course, but I just know it <laughs> from history. But every All-Star game gets remembered for something. So as you make your who you got pick, American or national, let me ask you this. What's the memory we'll all be remembering tomorrow from tonight? Courtney, around the door to you. The Angels have exactly three weeks to figure out whether they're going to trade Shohei Otani. I'm excited to see what these recruiting pitches are like tonight, Tony. This is going oh, to be fun to see we're going to have some mic'd up players pitching for Otani? Okay. And Israel? There's two things I'm looking for. I'm going to remember what time I get to bed tonight. I want a tidy game. I need that pitch clock to really do its job. And then I'm looking for celebrations on home runs in the dugouts. I want those to be otherworldly. I'll give you that. But pitch clock. You know, this is the game you kind of want to yes, let the on. moment last if you're a player in the batter's box. Don't rush them along. We'll move on. No time for this. Wimbledon. Chris Eubanks, the American, number 43 in the world. And he's on a heater. Advancing to the quarterfinals after taking out Stefano Sissipas in five sets. It's the first time he's ever made the second week of a major Israel breath of fresh air for American tennis. There's something more here with you, though. It'll be something more if he wins one more because he's got Daniil Medvedev in the next round, number three overall. And Tsitsipas has kind of lost a couple of head scratchers in the past. But, man, is he fun to watch. So long, so athletic, gets to everything. Love watching him. 
the United States has waited 20 plus years to get a men's Grand Slam champion. And with three of their top 15 out, Eubanks, who most of us didn't know who he was yesterday, gives them the best chance to get there. Cordy Cronin, please, the time is yours. Thank you. My grandmother passed away at the age of 102 years old peacefully in her home on Saturday evening. She was a huge fan of Around the Horn last Thursday. She got to see me win the show. It was her last show. She made it appointment viewing every time I was on. It means the world to me that I got to share this with her in her later years. I will miss you every day. And I can't wait to see you on the 19th tee in heaven eventually. We love you, Courtney, and your grandma, Janice Bruce, saw so many things in an incredible 102 years. Just think of that. But I will tell you this, she will never have been more proud of anything in her life, I'm sure, than seeing her granddaughter succeed like this. See you tomorrow.